Today on a chilling episode of Real Ghost Stories Online that is guaranteed to be the inspiration for the upcoming blood-flavored Oreos. That's right, Oreos that have the metallic and delicious taste of human blood. What happens when night after night, the children living in an old tattered home find themselves barricaded deep in the attic, unable to escape without adult intervention? Exactly what kind of twisted entity barricaded them? And why did it seem to want to cause harm to innocent children? That story and much more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Stories online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That indeed it is. Welcome to the program. Be sure to press subscribe wherever you download podcasts so you don't miss any episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you'd like to listen commercial-free and get access to advanced episodes weeks before they get posted publicly, uh, and those are all ad-free, and then get access to the archive, which is the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories, and a bonus episode on top. Every week, an EPP bonus episode exclusively for our supporters, and sign up to be an extra podcast person. You can do it through Apple Podcasts now. Just uh, go to our page there and uh, click uh, become a Real Ghost Stories Online Extra right there, and you'll get in on all of that. You can also do it through patreon.com slash Stories if you like that app. Go for that, patreon.com slash Stories or our first home of the EPP, ghostpodcast.com. The links are also there as well, and you can also sign up directly through the website at ghostpodcast.com. It's uh, Tony and Carol Hughes with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? Well, so I have a friend named Amy, and she um, house sits and dog sits, cat sits for people. Mm -hmm. So earlier today, she posted, yeah, so I really just house sat for a place that had a ghost dog. And so everybody's like, what are you talking about a ghost dog? So... She said that um, she was dog-sitting for two black lab puppies and she had to have a come-to-Jesus with the female puppy about her getting on the bed. She'd feel, and she said, I'd feel a nudge on the side of the mattress when she tested her luck with her snout, then the light plop of her jumping down over and over until our talk. About an hour after I feel the nudge again, I just holler without moving or opening my eyes and yelled, Lucy, No. A couple seconds go by, I feel the plop, so I sit up to push her off again. Both dogs are on the floor, on their floor beds, looking at me like the loony person I am. I thought maybe I dreamed it, but it happened four or five times through the night. Isn't it crazy? That is. So she's just feeling a dog that keeps jumping up on the bed, but there's no dog jumping up on the bed. I had that. And there's something. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I had that uh, with a cat when growing up. My cat Kitty. After the cat died, every night I'd go to bed and I feel that cat jump up on the bed like it did when it was alive. And I, I and there's a different feeling with yeah. an animal. Yeah, like you know it's your cat. Yep. You know it's a dog. Yeah. And I, I, I never thought anything of it honestly until we started doing this show. Um, I, I always just thought it was, you know, my muscle memory or I, I was lots, I was looking at it in a different way. And at some point though, I would go back to that house, stay in that room when I'm visiting, you know, we're talking 
years after I had moved out. And I would still feel that in that room. Now, the last time I went a year ago, I, I, I did not stay in that room for about nine years. And I thought, I wonder. It did not happen. But for a long time, it did. And that was very, it's a very distinct feeling. So I, I hear what they're saying. It really is. And especially for it to go to get to the point where you're like, no. And then you sit up because you've like had it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're on the floor. What? Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes uh, my dog will be, uh, he always stays in the room with me. Um, but he is like my shadow. He will not go anywhere without, you know, kind of herding me around, making sure, you know, I'm okay. He's like the secret service for me. He just needs a little earpiece or something. <laughs> so and his, his paw goes up. He's like, like the bullet is moving or like whatever. I don't know what, I don't know what name he'd have for me. Um, and, uh, <laughs> he, uh, will sometimes, uh, if I just turn around in bed, he'll be up off his blanket and then right there waiting for me where I come out of bed looking at me. And then sometimes if my hand's kind of hanging off the side a little bit, then I'll start feeling like the nose or like a wet. You know? And sometimes if you're not expecting it, it's Aww. kind of startling. You're like, oh, my God, what is that? And it's like, and it's just him. He's like, hi. <laughs> but just yeah. me. I noticed that you moved. I had to make sure you're okay. You okay? You okay? You good? I feel like that's what he's always saying to me everywhere. You good? Okay, you, you okay? Good. Okay, let's go over here. You okay? You're in the bathroom. You want to go? You're in the bathroom. Okay. It's three in the morning. Okay. Feeling okay? Okay. I mean, I'm just gonna. I can sit you right. Need to know. I can put my head like on your legs. It's kind of weird. I know you're going to the bathroom, or I can sit over here. But I tell you, I'll do whatever you want. You just tell me, like, just go over there, buddy. Okay, okay. I'm here. I'm here. Just walk around a little bit. Make sure, and there's nobody in the the room waiting to pop out at you. Take care of that right away. I really need to get him like sunglasses. He's my little. I uh, miss mine so much. (laughs) He is a funny one. Uh, Next story says, my name is Casper C. I'm a mental medium and I've been looking for answers and connection for what happened to me ever since I grew up in a haunted house from birth to the age of 13. And by the way, the dog just came over and nudged my leg because I think he knew we were talking. Oh, we okay. I heard you talking about me. (laughs) I'm petting him as we... (laughs) Uh, as I read this, I can recall things other people can at early ages, including the first day I was born. The first nightmare I had was before I could walk or speak at the age of only a few months old. I remember three identical men would spin my crib like a carnival ride. As I reached age five, I could begin to voice my concerns like wanting to sleep with the lights on. I had nothing but repeating nightmares and didn't have normal dreams until I was older. In that house, it felt more intense than just being watched. It could be described as someone you can't see or hear yelling at you 24-7. Waking up with the bruises and scratches was normal, and being bruised and scratched from my family was normal too. I could differentiate the two but became used to it all. I was born with depression, and so with everything going on at home, I became an outcast in all aspects of life. At age five, I attempted suicide by contemplating jumping out a window. I was sent to a psychiatrist and medicated heavily at age six. I always felt the medication was to stop my crying from all the abuse that was more convenient for my family rather than holding them accountable for their actions. 
I have depression, but my mind and rationality are rock solid. My personality is very factual. I love science. I have no other mental illnesses other than my depression. My entire, my entire family never got help about the paranormal, the paranormal things, even though we all lived with it, including my parents hearing things. Which is the norm, along with the abuse. I'm the youngest in my family and got the worst of everything, but fortunately, am only one in my family with a good soul. The occurrences I can go on and on about. I'd start with the daily occurrences. If you place something down on the carpet, maggots would rise up out like bugs. Do under rocks. This occurred all throughout the house. The basement had a crawl space that was open concept. And when you went down, it felt like an animal was a wild animal man in there always. Things would always crash and break in the basement, even when no one else was home. And even when we were home with no explanation. At age seven, I remember it sounded like a large man smashing things in the basement and only me and my siblings were home. My siblings checked and no one was down there, but then they ran up the stairs screaming when a tool tray fell near them. We grabbed the pets and waited at the park until our parents got home. Every few months this would happen and our parents would find us in a room upstairs with a wall barricaded or find us at the park trying to contact her parents for friends' houses. Cops were called multiple times and never any proof of a break-in. Once in a while, this thing would choose a room in the house to terrorize, and one of us kids would sleep on the couch for a month. Our parents never asked why or gave our torture much thought. I attempted suicide again when I was 12. This time, I passed out and had a nightmare of three black-coated vampires standing at the foot of my bed. I remember a photograph taken where what looked like floating blood was splashed all over the bathroom. Remember at age nine, I was home alone and the TV turned off by itself. I could see a shadow move from the light projecting behind me. So I turned around and saw a little girl with curly brown hair and white nightgown run from my room to the next. I don't think it was actually a little girl, but a disguise or something darker. And TVs would always turn off and on in that house, but was always ignored. When I was 12, I was watching TV, lying down, and all of a sudden, blood spilled out of my mouth. No cuts, no nosebleed, just inexplicably a mouth of blood. It had to have been sitting face up for a nosebleed or a cough to push up blood in my mouth. Before we moved out of the house, I was calling for my dad and looked downstairs, and I heard his voice behind me. So I called to him and turned around, but no one was there. But this voice kept talking. And it moved right past me. I ran, looked for help, and realized no one was home. I moved out at age 13 and finally knew what it felt like to sleep. As I can recall, I never really slept or felt rest or peace until I was 13. I could describe growing up like how I imagined being born and raised in a, what a prison is like. I probably would have turned out better in a prison. I'm grateful for my peace, and I know that I can survive hell for the most part. I know there's a hell and therefore know there's a heaven. And a few kind souls show me mercy in those days and I consider them angels. I know good people exist and peace exists. I will continue to help others like me who need help healing and processing what happened to them. There needs to be resources and help from people in these dark situations and to erase the stigma of getting help 
for paranormal traumatic events. I'll keep going and keep fighting for the light. Well, that's a, a dark one, uh, but... God, that's very, depressing. But very honest, and I think... Uh, it made me so sad. Yeah. It may... It like, was what because I, it wasn't just a dark paranormal thing. It's mm -hmm. like the parents and everything. Like, yeah. there was no happiness at all for this poor person. It makes me wonder sometimes... You know, there'll, there'll be certain areas, certain neighborhoods, certain uh, cities uh, even, uh, or towns or villages where you drive through and you can just tell there is nothing good happening here. Um, and it's, it, there's like a, a feeling to it. There's a, a darkness that, and you can see it in the people's faces that you see that are living there and, and going through their own hell and it makes me wonder about places like that where if at some point it's changed and, and let's say something picks up, something gets better, and then those homes are reused again uh, and fixed up and there's new families that go in and um, it's hmm. many years have gone by. Are a lot of those places then likely going to have a lot of ghosts or negative? I mean, that. Yeah. When you see things like that, it makes you it makes you wonder. It makes you think. I mean, especially when in some areas where we do see some of that going on, where um, it, some areas and neighborhoods are getting spruced back up and people are getting pushed out. But you can tell that those a lot of folks have been through some really hard, horrible times in those places. Um, now, how much are those places amped up and ready to be just hotbeds of hauntings? Yeah. Well, and, you know, and it, you wonder too, when it's something really dark and evil like that, like that could have an, now I don't know the situation of the home life and the parents and the siblings and all that, but you know, that a really dark presence in your house could certainly affect people and how they act. Yeah. Almost you like know, a I don't cycle. Know if that's the case. That, and yeah. that, that's part of the point too, where you, I mean, sometimes you, you literally, you wander through some places and go, how on earth is anybody living here? You know, or so then you see kids and it's just like, how? Like, how is this better than like the bridge in some cases? <laughs> because it, it's like, what on earth? And and it makes you wonder, obviously, you know, there's a lot of, you know, mental uh, health problems going on. There's a lot of uh, addictions and things that are going on that, probably are the answer to these many times but it makes you wonder though too with all the darkness and all the the horrible things that people are struggling through and it doesn't make it in a hotbed for, for negativity to to just feed off of those people and make it that much more difficult for anybody to to get out of that uh, that situation yeah and that person has an unusual memory too because i think he or she i'm not sure mm -hmm. um said like had memories from birth and and um and nightmares you know remembering really you know can't even talk about having nightmares sort of thing and then it is interesting that you could have that kind of memory because a lot of people who experience trauma don't have memories of it yeah. like you you wipe that stuff out and so that's you know to, and sometimes 
being able to not remember it is kind of a blessing. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you don't remember it because it was traumatic and you don't want to keep remembering it. Yeah. So then that's a whole nother piece to that. It's like, because here she remembers everything. Yeah. Yeah. And to move out at 13. Like, I'm like, I have so many questions about this person. Like, where did you go? Who took care of you? What did you do? Yeah. I mean, I'm just all worried about that person. It sounds like quite a, a, a difficult life that they have lived. But thank you for sharing no your uh, experiences with us here on the show. If you have more, we'd, we'd love to hear them. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. We have Real Ghost Stories online. If you want to share your Real Ghost Stories with us, or you can also write in anytime at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to another caller. Hi. Hey, guys. My name's Cliff. Uh, I live in Kansas, and uh, I'll try to be quick as I can here. I'm kind of bad at telling stories, but... Um, just want to say I love you guys, Tony, Harper, and Carol. Uh, I love listening to you. I actually maintain a graveyard uh, during the summers, and uh, I'm out there uh, cruising around on my, my mower, whatever I'm doing, and uh, I'm listening to you guys. Strangely enough, nothing's ever happened out there. I've been out there in the in, at night by myself, and I've never seen anything. It's a pretty big graveyard or cemetery. Um, anywho, uh, this story is really my son's. Um, yeah, he told it to me a couple of years ago, uh, and he's 12 now, uh, so he's, he's still a kid. But he told it to me a couple of years ago, and uh, the instance had actually happened a couple of years before that. Um, we moved into this house uh, around around 2018, and this is when it happened. Uh, he told me in 2020, we were watching a show. I remember uh, we were watching some kind of TV show, and there was like an old lady's hand on the show, like her arm or something. I don't know. Can't remember exactly uh, that part. But um, he, he pointed it out, and he goes, hey, Dad, that, that looks like that, that arm I saw, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And I'm like, what, what arm did you see? What are you talking about? I had no clue. But he was, he acted like I was supposed to know. And just real quick, I want to preface with, like, he's – not a very imaginative kid. He's an amazing kid. I love him. Uh, and he's smart and he's funny, but he doesn't, he's not really imaginative. He doesn't tell stories. He doesn't, you know, haha, I tricked you. He doesn't come up with anything like that ever, honestly. Um, but yeah, he's like, Dad, that, that, that arm, I, you remember that? And I'm like, No, I don't remember that. So he goes back and he tells me, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when we first moved into this house we'd bought, um, that, uh, he was in his room one night with the door shut, as he does with the lights off. Uh, he had a little bit of light coming through from the yard light. And um, his bed was up against the wall. And at the head of his bed, kind of up on that wall, the opposite wall, there's a dresser. And um, he said he woke up, and he didn't know at first why he woke up, uh, middle of the night. And uh, he realized it was a sound that woke him up. And I'm not very good at sound effects, but it was kind of a... <laughs> kind of a kind of like something being drugged across something and uh takes a few seconds to wake up make sure he's actually hearing what he's hearing trying to figure out what it is and he like looks kind of cocks his head up toward the top of the room or whatever the where the dresser was because that's where it was coming from he kind of figured it out and he kind of just turns his head at first and he said that um he could see something moving but he, he couldn't tell what it was it was kind of dark like i said and he just woke up you know you're kind of blurry 
he kind of rubs his eyes and uh, he kind of then moves his, he said he moves his whole body, kind of cocks his whole body up on his elbows, you know, that sets up a little bit so he can turn his head more towards the front of the room. And um, <laughs> this is almost unbelievable, but I, I believe my kid because he's never told anything like this before or after. He says the sound is my flashlight. I had a metal, I still have it, a metal flashlight that, um, like I said, we just moved in, so I guess I'd had it out for something, but it was sitting on his dresser, and it was spinning, it just very, well, it wasn't spinning, it was like a light bulb side down on the dresser, and it was moving in a circular pattern, just a small inch or two circular pattern dragging around and around in a circle, and what was moving that was a disembodied arm. Um, it took me a second to register, but he said, it was a disembodied arm. He didn't say disembodied, but like most of a lady's arm <clears throat> was holding it, gripping it, and it was she was spinning this flashlight on his dresser. And he said that um, he looks at it for a few seconds and kind of like tries to understand what he's saying. And I asked him details. <clears throat> he ended up jumping up after a few seconds and just bolting out of the door. Um, to, to us in the bedroom, and he didn't even wake us up, which <laughs> is funny because he didn't want to get in trouble for some reason. He thought he was going to get in trouble for waking us up. But um, he said the, the lady's arm had, had a grip on it, and it was um, an old lady. He said it looked like his uh, grandma, which she's in her 90s now, so it was kind of, you know, vascular. You could kind of see through it, he said. He's like, it was, it was kind of transparent. Um, it kind of faded off near past after the elbow like there was a joint there where there was an elbow and it kind of just faded behind the dresser kind of but there's no room behind the dresser so he remembers being really confused by that and um you could see like like you said kind of like an older lady's veins uh through the skin all the way through the whole arm kind of and um he said that the uh the arm like i said the arm kind of disappeared behind the dresser and she had, oh, she had fingernails. Um, she had these, he, he remembers specifically the fingernails uh, were like uh, a lady's nails, kind of like almond tipped. Uh, they weren't super long, but they were, they were almond tipped, very specific. He doesn't know anything about women's fingernails, but they were like almond tipped kind of to a point. He didn't say that, but I had to show him pictures and he's like, that's it. And it was just kind of the, I don't know, almond tip kind of comes to a tip, not a very sharp tip, but a tip. And, um, yeah, he said it was kind of uh, purplish or bluish, and he doesn't know if that was because of the light through the you know the the mini blinds how it was hitting the the lady's arm or what it was. But he said it was kind of a bluish color, and um, yeah, it was moving this flashlight for whatever reason in a circular pattern, making a scraping noise, and it, it scared him. He uh, he then ran out of the room. Uh, and uh, jumped in bed with us, he said. And he, he says he thought he told us the next day, but I don't recall anything about this. Uh, and that was it. And he's never seen anything else before or after. I, I've never seen anything um, in the house. Uh, we did find out later that an old lady did own this house uh, two people prior. She was the one that her husband actually built it. And she passed away. I still haven't figured out if she passed away in the house or not. But uh, it was an elderly lady that was the was one of the previous owners, uh, one of the original owners. So I don't I don't know what that 
it really boggles my mind. I have no clue where to go with that. Uh, just bizarre. Um, one other thing real quick. Uh, things have happened in this house to me. Uh, years, years after that instance in 2018, probably, I can't remember if it was before or after he told me the arm story, but uh, he and I were in, uh, well, I'd woken up in the bedroom, my bedroom, and he was already up. It was like a Saturday. He was already up in the garage where we have a computer. And uh, I'd woken up uh, kind of late, 11, around 11 or something. And uh, I got up, and to go out of our bedroom, you have to walk past a chest of drawers, uh, an old one, too. don't have rollers on it. It's just an old wooden one somebody built, uh, like one of my wife's grandparents or something. And it's, it's hard to, you know, pull open and close because it's wood on wood. Again, there's no rollers, no grease, no nothing. You just kind of, uh, and pull it open. And it's full of clothes in my life. Uh, really heavy duty. Anywho, that's important for a reason. So I uh, walked past the dresser. I walked past everything, go out, find my kid in the garage. And I'm like, hey, you know, it takes like 30 seconds. I'm like, hey, do you want something to eat? It's almost noon. You, I know, have you ate yet? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, let's get some pizza cooked up or something. I was like, well, let's, let's go find something. You know, I was like, uh, come follow me back into the kitchen, uh, which you kind of walk past the bedroom when you come back through to go to the kitchen. And uh, I was like, come back in here and we'll find something to eat. And he's following me and uh, I just stopped because I noticed through the bedroom door, the second drawer of that dresser uh, was pulled completely out and was set on the ground about, uh, two or three foot away from the uh, dresser itself. I just, <laughs> it scared the crap out of me. Um, that The dresser, like I said, was full of clothes. The drawer was. It, it probably weighed 30, 40 pounds. I mean, it's, it's pretty heavy. And it was a good two or three foot or so away from the, the actual dresser itself. And it was set on the ground. I, it, only me and him in the room, in the house. And uh, it scared me bad enough that I found my pistol, and I cleared the entire house with him behind me, you know, to make sure he was safe because I had to rationalize it. I'm assuming there was somebody in my house, but everything was locked. All the windows were locked. The security camera showed nothing. I, I don't know how that happened. Um, I, I don't know where to store it in my files in my brain. You know, I don't know what to do with that. Anyway, there's a couple other smaller things that happened to my wife. She had somebody blowing her ear once. And these all happened months apart. Like, it's not like, you know, we're just like, oh, we're spooked and we're making this stuff up. Like, it'll go months and months and, you know, there's nothing will happen. And then these little things will happen. And sometimes we can explain it away. But I can't explain the drawer being out like that. That's, it wasn't like that when I walked by initially, like, a minute before. Anyway, that's my story. Uh, kind of long-winded. I'm sorry about that. I love you guys. I'm going to keep listening uh, forever. And uh, you guys take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. What's your thoughts and all that? Well, there's some creepy shit that happens in that house. Yeah. Like, the whole thing with the arm and the flashlight. And... And it's just so random because he's like, yeah, that looks like that arm that I saw in my bedroom. Yeah. And Dad's like, what a wood arm. Well, I told you about it. And that's the kind of thing I think you would remember. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine being at breakfast. You know, you're sitting there eating breakfast and Harper goes, yeah, Dad, last night there was this arm in my bedroom and it was there was a flashlight. And it's, <laughs> you would well, remember that. Well, I, well, my response usually is, okay, honey, we'll talk about it later. I got to go do a show. 
<laughs> right. And honey, I I don't talk about ghosts with just unless we're recording. We're not yeah. talking about ghosts. That's work. It, we're not bringing work to the breakfast table. In fact, honey, the only time we're going to talk now is if there's a microphone in front of us. <laughs> Even better. My dad started requiring us to broadcast every moment of our life. <laughs> well, honey, be a fun, that's what uh, Instagram's for, too. Be a fun therapist uh, conversation for her <laughs> later in life. Yeah, that would uh, that'd be a little weird. Although people do that. That's uh, that's how, yeah, it's just. But that, that story about the dresser drawer, too, is equally as creepy. Yeah. Because that's not something that just pulls out on its own. You know, yeah. like, it's really, really strange. Dresser drawers, for the most part, I mean, unless there's nothing in them and they're just really well greased, that's about the only time they kind of come out on their own. Other than that, yeah, it, there's stuff in there. It probably hasn't been greased in a while, and it's more of a struggle sometimes just to get them open versus them like, oh, look at this one that's really got to kind of shake and rattle around to get out. It just it came out. No big deal. Like, no. That's not uh, a pressure change. That was chain. just creepy. Yeah, without Maybe a doubt. Stuff. Without a doubt. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up uh, this episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, become an extra podcast person, sign up through Apple Podcasts and uh, take a three-day free trial. Getting access to all the EPP bonus episodes, advanced episodes, and more. It's all there for you or through uh, ghostpodcast.com or Patreon. Those links there at ghostpodcast.com. Until next time, for all of us at Real Ghost Stories Online, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening.